podcast from Crew and Mike is, I think it's really cool and um, that is what I wanted to say. Two and a mic. I'll open my first podcast of 2023 by saying Happy New Year. You could tell I'm still a little bit under the weather, but uh, there you go. It's good to get 2023 off with a book club podcast. Um, I don't do New Year's resolutions, but if I were to, it would be to read more. Uh, and so therefore, this is a good way to begin that. Even though we flirt gratuitously with society and politics of the real variety in this podcast, uh, we're actually talking today about fiction. Science fiction, in fact. And wow, what fiction. Pierce Brown has created a future dystopian world of depth, colour, quite literally, and political intrigue, and blood-curdling pomposity at times. It's a book you will love and at the same time want to throw against the wall in frustration. It makes you feel the agonies and fury of characters as much as it makes you laugh at the silly bravado and catchy one-liners. It's that kind of fast-paced shootout in a political arena that sinks its teeth into you and doesn't let go. Thank you, Greg, for your time once again. I hope you all enjoy it. Greg? I do believe this is uh, episode three with you. Um, how's it going, man? Very well, thanks. Not bad, and you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. So we are Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve here. So it's the 22nd of December. Um, so obviously by the time this comes out, we will be celebrating Valentine's Day. No, no, I'm not that bad. Um, but yeah, so you're still working um, in Blighty. Um, so yeah, not everybody is because some people are on strike. But we'll come to that as well. A bit later, <laughs> a jolly, a jolly event. Then. A jolly event, indeed. Yeah, but we're yeah, we're because we're here doing our um, sort of book club element again, and we've gone through one book and a couple of TV series um, in the past, and this is like the next book series. So we've done Vespasian, which just a great, obviously, story, um, and this, in many ways, is. Well, it has a connection, doesn't it, to to Vespasian? Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you've read you've read Red Rising, um, mm -hmm. so do you want to do you want to talk about it? Um, I guess so. That's what the pod's about. So, it, I, 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 yes, um, I very much enjoyed the book. I know you did. This is your, your this is your choice for for this book club uh, reading, and yeah, I, I I can see why. It's a great yarn. There's a lot going on. It has to be said. Um, I, I did particularly enjoy the the elements which um, lead back to the ancient world. I mean, a lot of a lot of I guess a lot of people do it, but you when you when you have the sci-fi um, uh, sci-fi book, it's not quite as common for, for so much to be borrowed from the ancients. But it, 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 almost everyone in this book has been given an ancient name, so it, it, it's not it, it it's very conscious. Um, I, I don't know how you how you felt. 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, one of the first things that drew me was some of these sort of Latinized names. So, um, okay, not necessarily some of the main characters, even though, I don't know, maybe there are some sort of lesser known Roman or Roman mythological characters who were perhaps represented by these people. But I mean, I think Darrow is a very normal name. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily... Um, and EO as well. But then again, maybe this is a class thing and this is why they're not represented by uh, a Latinized I, form of their name. No, I think EO is Greek. I think there was a, there, there, because isn't EO also one of the moons um, of one of the planets? Or is it IO? I don't know. Uh, it, there, could, there could well be a Greek link okay. to EO. All right. Uh, but then clearly some of the more powerful um, characters, Nero, Oh. Augustus, yeah, or mm. Augustus, as we yeah. pronounce it in English. And mm. then you've got the, the Augustus, I suppose, family. But then you've got Antonia, which in itself obviously brings us back a little bit to Vespasian, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah, then there's Aul Severus, so another family represented. Then there's Aula Titus, okay, Titus, mm. indeed, Caesar is another Vespasian connection, I believe, was the, his, one, of the, one of the sons. Exactly, mm. yeah. Um, so there are lots of these wonderful little throwbacks to, to the ancient world. Um, and, and I feel as though, I mean, we don't actually experience the transition of humanity to the world, which is introduced by Pierce Brown in Red Rising. But there are these sort of snippets of history which are revealed. Mm. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I mean, what impression do you get about that? You know, the, the way that the world is introduced and presented, um, what do you think about it? Well, I mean, I, I, what I was going to say was, uh, I, I've now gone past Red Rising, um, and I've ne I'm nearly at the end of the, the second book, um, which I believe is Golden Sun. Um, and it, one of the things I felt about Red Rising was that it, it, was, it was interesting how uh, with every, with every other chapter, the world seemed to expand slightly. So you started in a very, very small place in Mars, uh, the beginning of the book, and from the, where you go from there, and each time something happens, you, you get you get a slight expansion of the universe within which the, the, book, the book operates within, and then you go to Golden Sun, and, and that that's, there's an explosion right at the beginning of that in, in terms of um, the size and scope of the world in which the book exists, and I, I did find that very interesting, um, and, and that that def, that definitely um, enhances the the enjoyment of the book. And in some ways, um, a book, a book like this, being a sci-fi genre, is it, it's a very difficult thing to write. But one of the things which I think is um, is interesting is how the writer is able to expand the world in the way they do, because there's there's almost no boundaries holding them in. They can they can just change suddenly, tack, and and, and have a whole new element which was not really introduced before. Um, and so you even have you know obviously we'll go into the colours which you know, the, the, the way that the, the, the structure of humanity has found itself within. And you even find new colours in the second book, which didn't really, didn't really make a, you know, make, make themselves known in the first book. Mm. Um, like blues, you, know, you didn't really come across any blues in the first book, but in the second book, they're the ones that are piloting all the ships and they become really important yeah. um, to, to, to some of the events. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think also um, book three, which is uh, still where I am, because I've taken a bit of a break to jump into Greta Thunberg's book, um, but I will be coming back to book three. There is a further expansion thereafter, um, uh, which is fascinating. So, yeah. All right. Um, 
so as you say, we start on not only start on Mars, but we start deep, deep, deep underground. Um, yeah. And so, um, as you also intimated, society is split into a number of different colors, and basically the lowest form is red. Mm-hmm. So the the red class or color, as it were, um, are those that basically do the mining, do the you know the sort of hardware, hard work, maintenance jobs, depending mm-hmm. on exactly where they operate. They are very much. Um, um, I can't say low skilled because I mean what what the red they're the doers. They are, aren't they? I mean, but they're also quite resilient because, and the mm. mining, I mean, the mining that they have to do is very dangerous. And mm. so therefore um, it's completely incorrect to call them low skilled. Maybe in some, uh, some other areas and some other communities, you could say, okay, they are low skilled, but here not necessarily. And uh, there is a lot of um, mythology also contained um, in their way of life because they believe that they are mining a certain kind of ore to be able to create a, a breathable atmosphere for humanity's future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, okay, this is a spoiler. So if you don't want to listen to this bit, then, you know, it's maybe skip forward of 30 seconds or whatever. But, but basically, what they don't know is that for the last 200 years or so, that atmosphere has already been created. Mm-hmm. They're simply producing this ore because it has a certain value to the, yes. the higher classes. Yeah. But we, we come across that in book two, right? That's really where that starts. That's really where that's explained. Or did I miss it in book one? I think it's in, when with the transformation of Darrow is mm-hmm. is where because he's told basically when he goes up, he realizes one minute there is an atmosphere. They are breathing. This is a lie. So, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, so, I, miss, I did miss that in the book. In book two, they, they go back into that again, but when he revisits, when he revisits his home. Okay. Yes, indeed. Yeah, but uh, but th- that original sort of revelation took place in in book one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, go on. Um, yeah, because there are some other colours, uh, yellows and pinks and greys uh, and so mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Oh, well, I was just going to say it's, it's interesting. Uh, there's a, um, if you like, uh, a little a little link here to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Where, if you remember, to, um, when just after they found out um, the the meaning of life, the universe, and everything, and, and then the, sh- the, hu- the, the ship carrying um, the doers the crash lands, um, and then the, so the, and then the, 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 they send the ship with the middle guys, right? So that you have the real brains um, and the inventors on one ship, you have the doers who actually do stuff on the second on the, on the third ship, and you have a second ship. Um, which was full, f- filled with was it hairdressers and things like that, which they sent into the sun. Is, is, oh, my remembering is wrong. I, no. I, so I'm just drawing some, uh, maybe mm. um, a, a, a kind of parallel between, between Hitchhiker's Guide, where the reason I do, as I say, is because if you think about it, the Reds um, in this, they are, they are quite, they're, they're quite intelligent. In a way that not all, if so, when, when you do into you do see interactions with some of the other colours, you get the you get the sort of greys who are very great at fighting, perhaps, but not necessarily very intelligent. You get the pinks who are just pleasure pleasure palaces, um, and and even the blues are obviously have to be quite intelligent to what they do, which is sort of computational uh, maths in order to in, in order to fly the ships. They have no interpersonal skills whatsoever. So yeah, it's pure logic, isn't it? Yeah, there's no, there's nothing. So you you have all these sort of uh, other colours who could never really be mistaken with a gold, 
And of course, that's what Dar Darrow is able, they're able to do that from a red to a gold, which is the, to go from the lowest to the highest and cut out all the middlemen, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, so it shows that it shows that um, a red has something above all the colors who are considered to be above them, even though they are they're considered the lowest to a low by the golds. I, I, I find that quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. And and I also like this, um, the sort of separation of society into colours, because colours are something that uh, that we can all in, in some ways uh, record or recollect in our minds um, and, and begin to associate certain things with. And this is something that we started to do about 20 odd years ago when we read The Wheel of Time, because mm -hmm. with The Wheel of Time, the Sedai, they're all split into their Arjas, and their mm -hmm. Arjas, you know, the yellows and the reds and the greens and blues and browns and greys and whites. And so, you know, straight away from that perspective, you you, you tend to associate colour with a certain kind of behaviour. Now, the behaviour is a bit different. Um, but I think even in this, if I'm not mistaken, the yellows are also, they, they're medical. Um, I, I've kind of yeah, I, that, I but... think so. I think I think the yellows were medical because the, the, yeah, there was an injury to someone at the start of this book, and I think they, they asked for some yellows to come, and it did, they didn't happen to have any around. Yeah, so that's quite interesting because obviously with the, the wheel of time, the the yellow archer are the healing archer as well. So um, the red archer are the battle archer, but here they are the lowest. They're not exactly the battle. So there is a bit of a mix with um, the, the colors, and the, but I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. You know, no author has to follow a certain rule with regards to the color. But I did find this, the creation of these stratos with colors, um, I found to be mm. interesting. Yes. Yeah, indeed. I mean, um, you, you do sort of wonder if, of course, this book set many, many um, decades, no, sorry, sorry, maybe a millennium in the future, I don't know. They don't really give a date as such. Um, but you just wonder if, regardless of what happens to humankind, we will always find ourselves adopting this kind of hierarchical society uh, and, and copying past structures and um, systems in order to in order to find some kind of sanity within our existence. Yeah, and this is also the way that they justify the superiority of the golds because they simply say, "Look, you guys, you don't have the genetical or the intellectual makeup." You don't have the culture. You don't have the awareness, the knowledge, the understanding, mm. um, uh, the access. You know the, the the privilege, as it were, to to become a gold. You, you can, in, in some ways, the, the highest that any group could aim to would be to achieve some kind of senior servitude within mm. the home of a gold. Um, and if they take then in some ways, the attention, the pleasure of a gold, then they will be looked after. But even then, mm. there were circumstances when essentially, you know, I don't know, a blue or a pink had been a lifelong servant and maybe even a lover of a gold. Mm. Um, but then they would be simply sacrificed, you know, throat slit. Mm. They're a pink. Is, Who cares? is this is this not also uh, sort of taking us back to the, the, the life life in Rome, where? Instead of you forget other colors, you've got different types of slaves. 
Um, and again, those were hierarchical. You, you, had, you had slaves who were teachers and they were much more highly prized than slaves who used to clean the floor. But they, they would, they would, you would have different high hierarchies within the slaves themselves because some slaves would actually run the household and their, their jobs be seen as, as, as relatively high skilled and, 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 and perhaps even um, they could be manumitted or find their freedom at some point, having served their masters well. Over, over. But they still... You wouldn't have been allowed to marry a slave as a, mm. uh, as a patrician in Rome. Mm. Um, and still, e regardless of how many years they've been a slave or the level um, within the household they, they had reached, if it came down to it in a, legal, in, a, in a legal matter, as the patron of the house, it would be down to you whether you could, you could have your entire household of slaves killed. They were literally your chattels and nothing more mm. uh, in, in, in the eyes of the Roman law. And also in uh, the world that um, has been created by Pierce Brown with Red Rising, there are intermarriages between the groups. Very, very rarely, however, would the gold step down, right. as it were. Right. But there have been cases, and on those occasions, the gold has essentially uh, foregone any potential for political advancement and has oh. simply gone into some kind of isolation you know, asteroid mining or God knows what, somewhere, one of the moons of Jupiter, um, completely out of the way. Um, and, and that was the way that they were able to then reconcile the, the relationship with the duty, uh, because essentially a gold is always a gold. Um, and you know, even a low gold um, is still far more important than the highest of any pink, grey, blue or any other. Mm -hmm. Well, isn't that the, the case with Ares? Um, he, he, his backstory is kind of revealed when he spoiler, meets... Spoiler! Spoiler! Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't given a name, so... No, no. I, okay. I was about to, and I, just, yeah. I, I stopped myself. <laughs> yeah, but that's also, I mean, son of, sons of Ares. Um, I mean, Ares is also, is it not um, a Roman god? The, the god, he, um, Ares is the, the god of war. Mm. Um I, I believe it's the Greek god of war. Okay. But Mars, but, Mars being the Roman god. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, all right. Um, so, I mean, again, very, you know, interesting introduction of, you know, various elements of, of mythology. Um, so, it's, it's, as you said before, it's very complicated. So, you've got these colours. These colours are essentially the different layers. It's almost like a feudal system um, with regards to the, the amount of influence or freedom or relative freedom that uh, individuals have. Um, within their, you know, I, I don't want to say caste, but within their layer, uh, within their grouping. Um, but then there's, again, there's a bit more to it than simply a question of, okay, so if you're a red, you're a minor. If you're a yellow, you're a medic. Um, because obviously these are also political powers and political levels, um, or in some cases, business levels too, depending on, on what they do. Um, and the interaction can be quite fluid, or indeed, it can be quite robust, depending on the situation. Um, how did you find the character development within the story? Well, I mean, the, obviously, the main one to talk of is Dara, because it's, the, it's, it's all from his point of view. So you, at all times, you have this inner monologue going on of Dara, where he's saying, he's saying to you, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm where I am. I can't believe I'm doing this. And then he'll go go ahead and do do, do, do some incredible incredible feats of um, both mentally um, in terms of his tactical planning um, and, and and physically in terms of winning battles and fights which he shouldn't. Um, 
And the whole time he's almost being held back or you find himself um, holding himself back internally um, with self-doubt. And whether that's his, you know, that's his redness coming through. Um, and then he has to force himself through, through, uh, through his hatred of the gold in order, in order to accomplish his final mission, uh, just to push himself onwards and, 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 and eliminate that self-doubt from within himself to, to ensure that he can do what he needs to do mm. to avenge himself. Yeah, um, I get I get senses of the expanse on one side with regards to the world that's being created. And on the other side, I've got Hunger Games. Um, so if you've ever read Hunger Games, you know- I haven't, I haven't read that, no. Okay, throughout this book, Katniss Everdeen, she's consistently criticizing herself. I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. Um, and, and perhaps it goes a bit too far. Um, in in the in the Hunger Games, with Darrow, there is this internal monologue, as you say, um, and and I mean there, there there is this classic system in Red Rising that doesn't necessarily exist in the same way in um, Hunger Games, even though there is, of course, everybody who lives in the city in the center, um, they are the elite, and all of the the outer sort of uh, regions um, have their role to play. But then there's it's it's a smaller, it's a it's a not quite so. Uh, many layers involved in that world whereas in red rising there are lots and lots of different layers um and you know, th therefore it's a bit more more complex so i i get that there is i get the feeling that there is you know bits and pieces from different stories that have been woven into the fabric of this world um and i do i have to say i do like the fact that darrow is not a marvel hero Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's not Thor. He's not somebody who just believes oh, there are 300 people in front of me. I can just, you know, I can kill them all with one fart and that's it. End of story. Um, Darrow is susceptible to injury. Darrow yes. is not the, the master of the planet. He can get hurt. He's hurt often. He doesn't win every battle. He loses almost as many as he wins in some cases. Um, but as you say, he somehow manages to find a way to win the more significant, some of the more significant battles. Um, but as you're talking, I, I also had this recollection, and I've had this a few times. His, so his wife, Io, who was killed, hung for treason by a gold, um, I think Nero or Augustus was actually mm -hmm. the one who charged her and who um, had the execution ordered um she instilled in darrow a certain way of doing things a certain belief a certain set of values and i think it's on many occasions i believe it's these core values which form the questions are you being true to yourself is this really what you should be doing is this the best way to achieve your goal mm. well i mean that's that's always part of his in, internal monologue as well he's always questioning himself as to am i doing the right thing here um there are there are many times where he he's he's um contemplating a relationship with a with another girl later one or other um and each time he, he, he feels as though he'd be cheating on the memory of, of eo um, it, he, he won't allow himself that pleasure 
Um, he, but he does, though. But he, it, uh, he he does. But he, it's always it's always um, it's always with an element of having to forgive himself mm. for having done so, and he's he's never allowing himself to fall for anyone because it's, it's always ego who is his love. Yeah. Uh, and at one point in the second book, he, he does say, would I even recognize her in the sense would I still find her attractive if I see, to see her now? Because obviously the, the huge physical transformation that has taken place in him to, to, to it, it, you know, um, it's, it is an unbelievable feat by all accounts to be able to go from being a red to a gold, just from sheer size. Yeah, we haven't we haven't even touched on this yet. So there is also it's not just a difference in color in that sort of status, but and, and responsibilities or jobs and value, but it's also size, isn't it? Yeah. He, yes, I mean, so um one of his best best friends um is half gold, we find out later. Sorry, horrible spoiler. Horrible spoiler alert. Um, but one of his friends, best friends is, is is a half gold, and he's always taunted for being a midget of a gold. Um uh, and he, even though he would have been a good head taller than Darrow would have been as a red. He's considered a midget as a gold, whereas Darrow isn't. He's very much of a normal size. He's not the largest gold by any means. And, you know, we, we come across some enormous golds from the description in, in the first in the first book and um, large, larger still in the second. Um, so he's by no means large for a gold, but he's absolutely enormous compared to everyone else. Mm. Have you Have you come across any obsidians yet? Yes, we come. Well, I'm right towards the end of book two, so yeah, there's uh, been lots uh, okay. of lots of obsidian obsidian activity. But you know, they, they started book two as being really fearful things, and now he just runs through them as though as though they're rice yeah. rice cakes with obsidian. So it, they came and went pretty quickly. Obsidian yeah. in, in, in terms of being a, a, a you know a, a new element um, mm. to fear. Yeah. Okay. Book three picks that story up again, so you can look forward to that. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so, w- one question for you, because you, yeah. you're obviously more, you, you, you're uh, further ahead than me, and maybe um, so the um, Ragnar. So, is he just? He's not just an obsidian. He's also something else, right? Yeah. So, but he is also an obsidian, is he not? He is. He is obsidian. He, he is. He's chiefly yeah. obsidian, but there right. is a certain importance to him as an obsidian. But he, he's called an un. What's it? it it's um. It, what's that term they use for him? Right now? Um, basically, it, it, it's, it's a sp- something like being spoiled. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh god, I've forgotten now. It's not oh. unclean, but something like that. You know, but, but basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it untouchable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, 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 um, to him and um, the frozen wasteland from from where he comes from, God, they have been told, they have been taught that golds are gods, and I suspect that's because obsidians are maybe the one force that could actually endanger the golds. So therefore, they have to have this indoctrinating into them from a very young age that don't touch golds, otherwise, you know, they're going to rain down all manner of missiles on your homeland and kill all your family. Yeah, indeed. And this is actually quite um, amusing as well, because only golds are allowed to use certain kinds of weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, and these yes. are extremely powerful weapons. And if given, yeah, yes, and if put in the hands of non-golds, mm-hmm. as in most non-golds would be afraid, oh, no, I can't touch this. If I'm even seen holding this, that's a death sentence, more or less. Yeah. Um, uh, and so it's quite interesting the way that that particular storyline also develops. Um, in book three. 
Oh yeah, okay. And, and that, that that begins in book two because there, there there is that battle where um, the you know of necessity he felt he had to give Ragnar his a blade in order to get them past um, past the, the defenses mm. of, of in Mars on Mars. So um, in, in order for that to take place, the, you know he was given this gold's weapon, and no, no none of the other golds there were supportive of the action at least initially. No, no, no. Even um, even Darrow's uh, allies were were not supportive of that. So, um... so yeah, we're talking about golds as well. Um, in terms of yes, it's, so we have the class system, we have the size that, that dis, dis, uh, distinguishes them, um, we have the looks because they, they're, they're always being drawn to how how astonishing all the golds look. Um, you know, with the exception of maybe one or two who are exceptionally unbeautiful, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it needs to be mentioned when they are. Um, yeah. But there's also, um, it, uh, again, um, it, drawing to an, another book uh, read many years ago, um, Crime and Punishment, um, where there's this thing which is introduced of the Superman, where the person that commits a crime like murder or to kill someone um, is absolved of that sin if they consider themselves high enough or a super being um, to not have and, and can and can actually feel within themselves of not have, having consi- uh, committed a sin. And there is the you know the, the way golds see themselves as um, superhuman also I think allows them um, the ability to go on and act the way they do because they they are not bound by the same rules. Um, the other humans would be indeed yeah and there is um a, a lot of by well there are many scenes should we say where there is you know any number of crimes committed whether that is murder or rape or torture and it, you know if it is a more senior uh color doing it then you know, forget it you, know, you, you there is no such thing as a lesser color um you know, being able to find some kind of justice um it is in uh, there may be some situation where they are in certain kinds of servitude towards um a a special gold and if another gold comes in and from a rival family then there may be some kinds of consequences but then again that's purely because there is a benefit to the the recipient gold family as opposed to they them giving a shit about you know Mm. the browns or I don't know if they're brown, sorry, they're blues or the yellows or whatever. Um, so yeah, this is something which also I've f- forgotten about, but um, yeah, definitely it's, it's it's one of the elements of, you know, if you are a kind of reader who really has a strong sense of empathy that can empathize with the characters a lot, that can, that is also has a tendency towards uh, absorbing the emotion from a book I, I would say these stories are full of these kinds of um, injustices. Um, and yeah, that could be a challenge for some people to, mm. because I, I found myself almost you know, on every page thinking, God, you know, I, I wanted to, I, I, I could have just got angry um, because of the, the injustice that was being presented to me. I, I understand um, where you're coming from. Um, I mean, I think for me personally, I, I just believe that human history is replete with this exactly this kind of injustice. And let's just not say history is going on today as well. So it, it, it's what it's what happens. Um, and unfortunately, I, th- I think that's what the book's highlighting, 
that it, you know, in, in no, no doubt, three, four, five thousand years time, uh, whatever, wherever the human race finds itself, we're still going to have these incidences of, um, you know, human injustice, whether whether it's from um, hierarchical uh, goals or it's. It, it's a cultural thing. It will, it will, you know, I think that's where the book's going. What we're sort of trying to say is don't worry about it. To, you know, we are where we are today, but how the things change technologically in the future, he, you know, human emotion is going to remain pretty much as it is. And the, 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 you know, the, the, the way that we, um, we live our lives, unfortunately, looks set to continue. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, in the future, they don't seem to have the same fuel issues that we do at the moment because they seem able to, you know, um, seem to have found a, an extremely plentiful fuel source which allows them to project themselves and their craft at great speed between, between the, the, you know, the different parts of the, the galaxy in, 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 in a matter of hours. Yeah. Um, which, With the servitude of the Reds, of course, and of course. whoever else, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. It, and actually, when you say that, it also reminds me, I, I felt a similar level of frustration um, at the injustices presented in another book that we both read, um, and which I think you you also found exhilarating, but which I could never possibly take myself to read again, Pillars of the Earth. Oh, yes, I love that book. Yeah. Um, and the struggles of Tom Builder um, uh, and the injustices that were visited upon him and his family um, for me were so hard to overcome Ooh. I've never come so often to I, I I sort of pulled my arm back with the book in it to throw it against the wall at the frustration uh, that I felt and then I I, I re- resumed my reading position and carried on <laughs> I have um, to say with with, a, with, with with pillars of the earth um, I suspect because it was it was a, a book set in history which Almost certainly, I'm not suggesting there really was a Tom Builder, but there would have been many Tom Builders um, around the world uh, in Europe um, in those in those years. And the injustices that were, were, were carried out on Tom Builder would have been would have been everyday matters to one person or another in, in living under the fuel system. And it, you know, you can draw that distinction and that and, and that parallel to this book because there are those there, there, those do exist. But I think what I, what, you know, whereas I share your frustrations with that book, and I understand what you're saying, with this book, I think we are removed from it purely because it's set so far in the future that you're able, I, I, I at least, I'm, I'm able, I don't have that same sense of frustration, which clearly was by design. Um, in pillars of the earth, you, you were, I'm sure you were meant to feel that way. And if you if you didn't, you weren't you weren't reading it right. <laughs> well, no, if, if, you, if you didn't, then you're a Tory. But uh, oh, sorry, did I say that? Um, yeah, I, I think one of the things about the about Red Rising um, also, in, and what you say with the regards to this sort of level of not necessarily desensitization, but Tom Builder. Okay, he's important. He, you know, he's sought after to to deliver a certain project of building a church in the case that there was uh, in the book um but he's always looking up as in he doesn't if a lord says to him or a bishop no no no, i don't care this is how you do it um he has to follow he has very little power um Mm. but darrow has power the the reaper scares the shit out of other goals yes and so therefore i'm always confident that you know no matter what level of adversity or no, no matter how much pain 
he mm. has to go through, there will be, you know, uh, a reward, as it were, some kind of, uh, you know, vengeance. Recompense. Exactly. Um, that will come thereafter. Mm. Um, and, and that hope is what takes me through the, more of those injustices. Yes. Uh, in, uh, also, Tom Builder doesn't have the opportunity to, to become one of the ruling class. So he, you know, he he never the, the thing the thing which allows if Darren has stayed a red, which you know for obvious reasons he couldn't um, for those who read it. But for, if Darren had stayed a red, it would be inconscionable that he could have any effect whatsoever. It's only by becoming that which he hates, by becoming a gold, that he's able to affect um, his life in the first instance and then others. Otherwise, you would just continue its existence as a slave. Mm. Because it, we're also mindful that we don't want to give too much away. Um, so, <laughs> I think that ship sailed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay, I'll, I'll have to add this in the notes. Um, but um, yeah, who's your favourite character and why? I think this would be a nice place to sort of end on before giving oh. a general conclusion. Yeah. Okay, uh, I, I, I really like Mustang. I think she's, um, I think that she uh, embodies everything that is good about the ruling class. She's the one gold who you can hang your hat on, I suppose, I, well, I've got to say. Um, she, 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 she's not unnecessarily cruel. She doesn't, she doesn't torture people, doesn't kill them. I, I think she's the one good, I, I suspect she's been made that way in order to be the romantic interest for Darrow, because if she was morally questionable, then um, I, I, you know, Darrow wouldn't have fallen for her in the way that he does, because he he sees her as a gold, a gold EO in some sense, where she has that strength of inner character, and um, so we don't get to know EO sadly, because you know she's she's so her, her apart from his love for her, we don't know EO hardly at all. She 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 perishes so soon into the book. Um, so we know she has strength of character from the way that she sang her song, knowing that what's, what was about to happen to her for doing so. We know she, you know, we, we know that she she tells him to go on this quest. It's it's and it's through it's through her that he finds the strength to do so. So we know some parts of her, but very little of her personally. But I think we find that through his love of Mustang um, to know that she is the embodiment of Eo in a gold, in some sense. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I would also have chosen Mustang um, had you not done so. Um, obviously, it's easy to say Darrow because he is the, the hero of the piece. Um, but then as a sort of secondary uh, character, then I would say Severo. Right. Um, that was the other one I was thinking of too. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's obviously he's a playful character as well. Um, and he's got some you know, sort of interesting comments that he makes. I, I do like the way that he 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 is represented within the story. Um, his character also develops further as you go through the book, um, and, and so therefore yes. he he's not one of those other characters who's a, a sort of bit part player like uh, Fitch or mm. um, Pax, or who's also really interesting, but. Mm. You know, well, he's one-dimensional, Pax. Yeah. You know, but you know, he's intensely loyal and a great fighter. But that's really where it stops with Pax. Is he's not yeah. a great thinker. Whereas um, Severo has has a few more layers to him. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and also, Mickey is you know mm. very important in the first uh, book because he, you know he does what he does with Darrow, 
Um, but then again, there isn't much he can sort of expand into. So um, yeah, okay, cool. I, I think I've um, I I agree. We, we've all chosen people who are perhaps what you would theoretically term as good characters. Um, some of the others, uh, Cassius and so on, um, we could also have chosen. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously for clear reasons we chose. Well, Cassius is, is, is becomes his main enemy, of course, which is what one of the difficulties there. Although he's very alike to Darrow as a gold in terms of it, he's he's also uh, you, you know it, it, for the first half of the of book one, they're, they're, they're thick as thieves. Yeah, which is a shame, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. um, I, I think in many ways they could have gone on to become great allies, but. Um, yeah, that uh, wasn't to be, at least uh, as far as the first book goes. Yeah. Oh, by the way, one, one more thing. So, I, I I would liken the um the whole sort of the the whole first book almost is set, of course, in this in, in this what could you call it? Like an academy. It's, like, it's just academy training for, for for teenagers. Yeah. But it's very it's very reminiscent of the of, of the Spartan Nagoki. If you think about it, in some sense, where um, not everyone makes it through, and those and those who are seen to fall short, they are you know they they are almost useless to society, and that's you you have that you know when when you when you have the the first right the first uh, which of course you know is a battle between one on one um, mm. in order to 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 go forward, mm. and that's partly where um, Dara's problems begin. Yeah, I mean, this inherently, if there are 50 goals going through this process, um, at a certain point, that number is halved. Yeah. Um, and so there is a menacing element to gold society and culture. As you say, they, to maintain this... Um, this privilege, this view of themselves as being so superior, um, yeah, they've got to get rid of the dregs. Um, mm. And yeah, it's very barbaric the way that they do this. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we, we shouldn't tell anymore on this. Uh, okay. Okay. Topic. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Would you recommend, last question, would you recommend this book or series to people, generally speaking? <laughs> I don't think it's for everyone. I'll be honest. Um, they're, they're, it's uh, if you like sci-fi, this book is for you. If um, if you like, if you don't mind sci-fi, and if you like history, you will find many elements of this book interesting. If you like neither sci-fi nor history, I don't think this book's for you. Okay. What about somebody who's like uh, socially conscious, um, maybe a, a bit woke? Um, I think they would perhaps also identify certain similarities um, with the fate of some of the characters in the book and the series and also in real life, because, um, yeah, essentially Darrow is leading this rebellion, this, this revolution. Um, and as we can see, and I sort of hinted at earlier on, you know, in the UK at the moment, there are lots and lots of strikes with nurses, ambulance drivers um, and so on, uh, and staff in general. Mm. Um you know, they'd be people, yellows in this book i suppose they would be yeah but people essentially who feel this need um to try to take control of their lives because they're not being looked after by the system as far as the system is concerned these people are there to provide a service and no more 
Um, and so they should simply accept whatever the service gives them. Um, go and do your 14 hour shifts and come back tomorrow, and do the same thing again. Mm. Um, and you know, one of the elements that I like that Pierce Brown has created is that, you know, damn it, these people are ready to, mm. to do something about it. Um, and we're seeing in the UK that people have had enough. Enough is enough. Well, and they're willing to do something. About the it. interesting thing is, though, um, there's no element of uh, monetary gain in the book. So you, whether you're a red, a yellow, or a, or a, you know, or or a grey, you, you at least there's no mention of being paid. So you're you're basically working for your existence, and nothing more. Yeah, right? there is some kind of well, there is some kind of credit system, um, but, but there's no mention of, of anyone being paid. Yeah, they don't, so, they don't walk in and like, you know, they, they, I think that these are like, I, I don't know if it's like a digital credit or something else, or they, people simply have access to a certain a number of funds, and that's automatically, but as you say, nobody has a wallet and takes cash out. Um, but there's no, there's no reference to someone purchasing something with someone else or going into, it, there, there's no shops. There's no, there's no, there's, you know, food is provided for the people who work, whether you work in a mine or where you're working on a ship. You, there, there is an area where, where food is provided for you. For example, in the second book, there's a feast day provided when he goes back to Mars. And that's very much because he's a gold going back to Mars. He says, I have provisions on my ship to, to provide for this feast day. And there's no, you know, there, there's no element of who's paying. It, there's, it's food is provided for mm. the workers. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's more like a hive entity in that way. Um, yeah. As 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 opposed as opposed to you know, what we have today, which is people who are who are striking because because you know they they, they are not being paid in line in 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 line with the the, the rising costs mm. of, that we find ourselves in. Yeah, but the jackal does conduct business, and business, he does he yeah. does. But we we never get to hear you know of, of, sure he makes profits. But in what form? What mm. form of credits does he does he take, and what does he do with them? Should, yeah. Surely, to build these these vast ships would, would would be an enormous amount of money. But how is that paid for? Yeah. I, I do. I mean, again, I maybe you know, and I and I've missed something, but they, <laughs> I, I I don't recall there being a, a, a transaction. Yeah, no, there's not that I'm. I don't ever remember the term of, of money or dinaris or whatever they're called. Um, yeah, ever actually having exchanged hands, but uh, we, we we know there are there are bars because you know the uh, the the the, you know, the brothers um, take project are happy to blow a few bars up with golds in them. But yeah. even then, we're not told how they pay for the drinks. No, nor indeed how they pay for the pinks. Um, no, no, the, the, yeah. 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 So that, that, it's just it's just a question. Maybe in book three we we were introduced to the banking system. I don't know. Um, from the vast amount of book three that I've read, um, I don't recollect any such. But there are business interests of, of different kinds which are also represented in the book. Um, but yeah, again, no definite um, sort of transactions take place that I'm familiar with which is which is fair enough I mean in many ways it's all very Star, Star Trek that's fine you know, you know maybe... yeah, exactly yeah uh, if you don't have to think about money maybe this is also a form of escapism um yeah if every other page you're like okay he took his wallet out and thought oh shit I forgot to cash some money let's go back to Mars um you know that that kind of takes you a bit out of the story whereas um 
Yeah. No, no, I, 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 I'm sure there must be a way of, because, you know, golds are amazingly wealthy. We know that from their ownership of not just, you know, they bring armies of millions mm. to, to, to bear on one another when they go to war. These things all cost money. The, you, you, know, you, you, don't, you don't have a, a fleet, a fleet mm. of a thousand ships w- without having the means to pay for them. Yeah. So it, it just, it hadn't occurred to me really before, but it, 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 we're talking about it now, about the strikes and stuff. Um, mm. It just seemed relevant. The, the difference being that um, one of the main, one is not the only reason we're having the strikes because there are, there are other conditions, but obviously money is also important. Yeah. But in, in, in this book, how that money is um is transacted we don't we don't know no okay all right good yeah i to be honest when i was thinking about whether or not i would recommend this to uh, a person i, I kind of had similar thoughts to to yours and and i think i love the books i'm really hopeful that there will be a tv series even though there are hundreds and hundreds of tv series which i would love to watch but i still haven't had the chance to get onto them yet um but I think it would make a great story um, mm-hmm. to be presented also on television because there are just so many different elements to it. Um, so I, I would strongly recommend it. And um, yeah, so if anybody were to ask me, I, I mean, I've already recommended it to a couple of people um, mm-hmm. and but, you know, there's a lot to it to enjoy. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. As, as I say, but I, I think if, you, if you're into either or, or both history and sci-fi, then it's certainly for you. Um, I just think if, if you don't like, or if you did, or, you know, you're not, you don't actually like one or other of those two genres, you you may find this one tough. Mm. Cool, good, all right, Greg. Um, I'll take that as our concluding thought for the for the podcast. Thank you very much for your time. Um, and I know, have you got a thought for our next one yet? I, I haven't. No. Thanks, for put, thanks for putting me on a spot like that, but no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. All right. Okay. So in that case, um, I'm going to have to, um, yeah, abuse you a little bit over the Christmas weekend and um, yeah, try and get a story out of you for the next one. Cool. All right. Um, great. Merry Christmas. All the Merry best Christmas to you. the family. Thank indeed. You. you too. And um, yeah, speak to you soon, and mate. Indeed. Bye. Take care. And a mic. Two. Two. Two.